Welcome to the WinFL Show. And then there were four. We have eliminated four teams from the playoffs, leaving us with four more, Dave. We are down to the championship games. The divisional playoffs are done. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I am joined by Dave Somerville. How are you doing today, Dave? Fantastic. It's episode 49 of the WinFL Show. Can you believe that? It's we, we, We've nearly been on air for a year I don't know how we've been on air for a year, but we have been, and yeah, we've got a packed show for you tonight. We certainly do have a packed show for you, and it's just going to get better. It's just going Mm. to get better. Every episode gets better and better, and of course, we are leading towards the Super Bowl. But before we do that, and before we even talk about the games themselves that happened this weekend, look forward to the Championship Games. Dave, uh, I understand you've got a couple of bits of news for us, is that correct? Absolutely. Um, We've got the finalists for the end of year awards uh, being announced. So first of all, we'll go for the coach of the year. So we've got five contenders for that. So we've got the Giants head coach, Brian DeBall. I don't think that can really be uh, argued against. Jaguars head coach, Doug Peterson is in there as well, along with the Bills, Sean McDermott. Uh, Eagles head coach, obviously, Nick Sirianni. And the fifth place, Kyle Shanahan, is also on the shortlist for Coach of the Year. So I think we're, um, I, I'd pretty much rate uh, Nick Sirianni as the favourite for that uh, with, with the, the Eagles' records during the season. Um, offensive Player of the Year, we've got four contenders. So we've got Justin Jefferson. I, I mean, you, there's no arguing there whatsoever. You've got Jalen Hurts, uh, a swell QB. We've got Obviously, we've got one-and-a-half-leg Pat Mahomes. And we've got the Dolphins wide receiver, Tyreek Hill. Um, so that that pretty much rounds up the offense. But we've only got three contenders for defense player of the year. So we've got Mike Parsons, obviously of the Cowboys, he had an electric year. 49ers, Nick Bosa, who I think we pretty much said is probably our defensive player of the year. And also the Chiefs defensive lineman, Chris Jones, rounds out that top three. Um, and the comeback player of the year, my pick, uh, well, two of my picks, really. Geno Smith uh, of the Seahawks. Well, fantastic year. Giants running back Saquon Barkley, who we will mention later on as well, along with the 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey. But that's the four awards that have been announced. Um, not a lot that I can really say on it, uh, really, because I agree with the majority of them. Um, the only one, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised to see Tyreek uh, in the offense player of the year final, I think maybe just his yardage earlier in the year. But um, apart from that, what about yourself? Do you have any kind of you know notes or any, any opinions on any of the awards? Well, I'm not particularly surprised to see Tidy Kill there because he did, he had such a huge effect. Uh, and as you mentioned early on in the season, mm-hmm. that, that Dolphins offense at times looked absolutely unstoppable um, pre the concussions for Tua. Um, so Tyreek made a huge difference. Um, I I don't know if you remember when we did our own awards for comeback player and I was thinking of Saquon and I was thinking of Christian McCaffrey. I actually gave it to Trevor Lawrence even mm. though he hadn't been injured the year before just because mm-hmm. the upgrade was so massive. So I, I don't have any issues with, with any of those selections really. I, if, they, if they give it to Saquon, if they give it to Christian, I've got no problem with that. Likewise yeah. with defensive player of the year. Um, I, I'd thought Bosa, but if they give it to Micah Parson, he had a tremendous year again. Mm-hmm. Uh, just absolutely stellar. So, no, no real surprises there for me. Um, Gino, oh, I know. Do you know what? I was going to say maybe not Gino, but the the difference 
in Gino was night and day, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's come on. He's proven now that he is at the level of a franchise quarterback, which he said to himself, you know, uh, they, they were all coming knocking to kind of break him down, but he didn't answer the door. So good good for him. He's had a fantastic year. He managed to get the Seahawks to the playoffs. They didn't have the greatest success, but, you know, considering that we we were tipping them for a possible top five pick, um, and they do have a top five pick, but it's not their own this year. So, um, yeah, but, you, you know, it, they, we were picking them to have potentially two top five picks. So, mm. yeah, I mean, they, they've done really well, sadly, for my team. Yeah, I'll be honest. I thought the Seahawks were going to be battling for the number one overall. I did. Mm. I, thought, I thought they had no chance. Um, because let's not forget that, you know, they didn't just get rid of Russell Wilson. They got rid of Bobby, Bobby Wagner. Uh-huh. I mean, they got rid of their... their quarterback and then the leader of the defense so I, I thought they had no chance and i was proved wrong unfortunately uh well, so there I, we I, go. I, I think the only thing i would add on the seahawks as well i i to even you know obviously i'm, I'm a ram and we've got bobby wagner i still think that was one of the most stupid decisions for the seahawks because what's bobby wagner then gone and done in la he's then he's the highest rated linebacker in the league this year and oh, he's had a you know, the, year. He's, he's had a fantastic year. He's continued to have a fantastic year. And yeah. I still, that that could have been the difference, you know, having a rock-solid defense to uh, to allow Gino to kick on and do his thing. Because you imagine if that defense le- uh, led by Bobby Wagner was able to, you know, go through the league. Because I think they would have been fighting the 49ers for that top, uh, top spot in the division. So, yeah, I, I mean... Pete Carroll does Pete Carroll things. We don't understand Pete Carroll, but aside from that, Gino very well deserved. It was indeed. Um, I think I think Gino's had a year not many people expected, uh, short of obviously the people who've, who've worked with him. So um, we are going to talk about the playoffs, Steve. Uh-huh. The divisional round is done. We had starting off with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars on Saturday at G-E-H-A Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Well, if it's at Arrowhead Stadium, just call it Arrowhead Stadium. Yes. Um, and in front of 73,220 fans, they watch Patrick Mahomes drive his team down the field, just throwing dimes left, right, and center, and then pull up like a lame horse after somebody went over his ankle. And looks like, I believe, he has a high ankle sprain. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, he was, for what, three quarters of that game, he was hobbling and barely able to put any weight on it whatsoever. And when you're trying to move around in the pocket with, you know, a big 250, 300-pound lineman yeah. coming for you, yeah, that it's it's a recipe for disaster. But, it, you know, yeah, it, 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 was, it, it was amazing. Um, but, uh, so they ended up with Chad Henney coming in. Chad Henney uh-huh. obviously had a, a couple of great plays uh, in the game against Cleveland in the playoffs not so long ago. Um, and he comes into this one and drives the team 95 yards down the field, uh, 93 yards, I beg your pardon, down the field for a, a touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. Kelsey had two touchdown receptions in this game. Uh, and the Chiefs were able to prevail 27 to 20 over the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence had a game he'll probably want to forget, I think. The stats don't look too bad. 24-39, 217 yards, one touchdown, one interception, couple of sacks. But there were a couple of throws that he had 
that hit the receivers in the hands that they just couldn't pull in, including a couple of deep shots. And it was just considering they lost this game by seven points. It's really, really hard on a player like Trevor Lawrence, considering he did enough. I think he did enough to win this game. I'm not, I don't want to say he was let down, but certainly a couple of plays could have gone better for him that didn't. They only lost by seven points. I think the Jaguars have got to be looking forward to next year with a lot of hope, considering what happened at the end of last year. Um, And with regards to the Chiefs, they're looking forward to next week's game with a hobbled Patrick Mahomes. Dave, what did you think of this one? Um... Yeah, I, I agree with about ninety nine percent of everything you said. I th- I think Trevor, uh, you're right about Trevor Lawrence that he probably will want to forget this game. He could have and probably should have played better. Um, they they didn't take advantage of the Chiefs when Mahomes was injured. Um, I mean, from the second it happened. I think it was the end of the first first quarter, or the start of the second quarter that he got the injury, um, and. But in the second and third quarters, they only put up three points. So when you need to take advantage of an offense that is, is they've got half, you know, a half, one and a half kind of Pat Mahomes at the back, and yet they, you still get beaten by them at this stage of the, of the postseason, that shouldn't happen. And I, I marked out two plays that happened in the fourth quarter that basically summed up the Jaguars' day. So they were able to drag, I mean, the returns by Jamal Agnew. Now, he had two massive kick returns in that game. He, he had three returns for 131 yards in that game. Now, that, that's massive. That that's You're talking um, like kind of you know, Dante Hall numbers, you know, when, when Dante Hall would go on these kind of huge runs. But it, he did it a, a few times, and he averaged 43.7 yards per kick return. Now, on the other side of that, Agnew was at fault for a big fumble, when he was inside the five of the Chiefs, yeah, so and in the fourth quarter, if you remember that one, um, and he 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 caught the ball. He didn't protect the ball. There was a bit of a case for that he might not have completed the process of the catch, but he caught it. He dropped. He didn't protect it. It was knocked out of his hand, and that was that. You know, if they score that and they kick the extra point, they're level twenty-seven apiece. Um, and the other one in the fourth quarter was the interception thrown by Trevor Lawrence to the cornerback Watson, and it was a one-handed catch, which any wide receiver, it would have been on the highlight reel, but it was the cornerback that got it, and the Chiefs were basically able to see out the game, because at that point it was 27-17, um, and I think the, uh, the the Jaggers ended up kicking a field goal quite really late on uh, to try then get the onside kick and it down the field but it just wasn't to be so yeah that that was my kind of view on the game I think Trevor Lawrence was really disappoint, uh, disappointing I should say uh, with that but um, right up until that um, that fumble by Agnew he was going to be my kind of player of the game because he, he was just I thought he was brilliant on every return he was fast he was evasive um, the only other thing I can really point out is that both teams were over 50% on third down um, and basically the Chiefs protected Mahomes after after his injury. They protected him really well. No sacks whatsoever. Some of his it, kind of one-legged throws as well, hopping over 
uh, or hopping up into the air so he can get some height on it. He was 22 of 30 in that game, uh, was Patrick Mahomes. He came in, uh, Chad Henney went back to the bench. Uh, Henney was 5 of 7 for 23 yards and touchdown to Kelsey. But <laughs> when Mahomes is in trouble, who's the man he goes to? <laughs> it's who's always, the it's man? always Kittle. It's Kittle. It's it's Kelsey. Not Kittle. Not Kittle. Kelsey. Uh, Kittle. Well, Travis always, Kelsey. Uh, well, it's you know always. What I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. Well, well sadly, yes. Um, but I mean, oh, uh, he he had twenty two completions. Fourteen went to, to Travis Kelsey. He only got ninety eight yards for those fourteen, averaging seven yards. But two touchdowns. It it was on target so much, and yeah. half the, half of the ones that he he was that was incomplete. He it was basically throwaways. So. Mahomes just proves that he is the best quarterback there oh, and absolutely. arguably one of the best of all time, if not the best. Yeah, I think it's it, it's hard to say that Mahomes isn't mm. the best, well, the best in the league at the moment. I, I, I don't see anyone playing at the level that Mahomes is playing at. Um, and I think it's very difficult to say that he's not the best of the past. <sighs> I mean, at least, it's very at least since, it's, it's really difficult, but at the very least since Manning, Peyton Manning was in his prime, prime mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, um, which was terrifying for defences. And I think you can see the exact same thing for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah. you're looking at a guy, as you say, he was hobbled from, from midway through the second quarter. The, the guy could barely stand up. His, his, mm-hmm. I don't know how much tape he had on his ankle. It was ridiculous. I mean, he used like three rolls of gaffer tape on, on his mm-hmm. ankle. It was just unbelievable. And he still made plays. Now, most quarterbacks cannot do that. Any quarterback that you see, analysts, guys like Kurt Warner, Troy Aikman, um, guys like you know Tony Romo, they'll tell you, if you can't set your feet, you can't throw the ball. That's what I've always said. When you see a lot of these young quarterbacks who, who have trouble with accuracy and they have trouble with um, power and distance on the ball, they have trouble with, you know, getting a spiral, they have trouble with whatever it is. They always say, you need to get your feet set. Get your feet set. You know, no, nobody can, you know, just throw off their back foot all the time. Aaron Rodgers made a living off throwing off his back foot uh, because mm. he pretty much had to. Um, but you think of all the best quarterbacks, get their feet set quickly. Dan Marino did it better than anyone. One, two, three, ball was out. One, two, three, ball was out. He, he had his feet set on that third step. Patrick Mahomes, it, it it almost didn't seem to matter. Of course it did matter, the fact that he was injured, but the drop-off from Patrick Mahomes being one-legged to any other quarterback being one-legged is just ridiculous, and it strengthens the argument that Mahomes might be the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. And it's, mm-hmm. it, it pains me to say that. And I know I say it all the time. But the fact is, yes. you know, he plays for the Chiefs. And I am yeah, a Broncos but you're going to see him twice. You're going to see him twice a year for the next decade. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and, and I don't wish an injury on anyone. Like, nobody uh, at all. I know you're coming um, with this, so. Well, no, there's no but. There's no but in this. I, I don't. I don't wish an injury on anyone at all. Um, but there is a but. <laughs> but Patrick Mahomes does my head in because he's so good, and and he's so entertaining to watch. Even as a Broncos fan, watching this guy play, watching this guy play against us twice a year, it's a thing to behold. It's it's a wonder, and I hope he plays at least fifty. 
I really do, because the NFL is a better place with Patrick Mahomes in it. If he's not in this league, the league is worse. I, I, I think, would you would you disagree with that? I think the league would be more comp- competitive without Patrick Mahomes in it. Um, some of the things that he does, it's just not fair. I, I mean, it's it's like it's like what you know. You walk into a bar. You walk into a bar, and uh, you know you're chatting to a, a group of people, and then I don't know the most famous model in the world comes in, and nobody wants to talk to you anymore. That's the kind. That's the kind of level. Patrick Mahomes walks into a room. Everyone wants to talk to Patrick Mahomes, and you're just the loner in the corner. So that's pretty much the kind of comparison. Um, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. There's, there's, there's no. There's nobody like him. There's nobody ever been like him. And I, I mean, there's, there's, there's so you you run out of things to say about him because of the things he does. I mean, his touchdown pass um, was it to uh, no, it was uh, to uh, Valdez Scantley. Um, yeah. He you know he he threw it off one leg. He hopped up on his left foot into the air. You know, bear bear in mind if if you're throwing it. Um, to you know, to kick off the throw to get the power into it, you're pushing off your right, uh, right foot, uh, and steadying yourself with your left. He had to do both with his left, and he he it was like, like literally like a bullet, and he threw it in perfectly, and they just could not get a hand on him. It was, yeah, I mean, I mean it was magic, and he because of the, I'd say the resilience. Uh, I'm I've got no objections to the Chiefs winning that game. I think the Jaguars should have won it. But the resilience kind of makes me think, yeah, the Jack, the the Chiefs kind of made, you know, they they made their own luck in that game, so they managed to see it out really well. Yeah, they did have plenty of chances to win it, but unfortunately for the Jaguars, couldn't get it done. So they are looking towards next year. But we've still got mm-hmm. a couple of games left this year, Dave. And we move to the NFC for the next divisional game. This was between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants at Lincoln Financial Field in front of 69,879 fans. And boy, did the Giants come back down to earth with a bang. After last week's wildcard victory, um, they walked into an absolute juggernaut coming the other way. The Philadelphia Eagles scored uh, outscored the Giants 38-7 to in this game. It was never close. They were 28-0 up at halftime. Absolutely took their foot off the gas. And in fact, it was at the point where... Um, oh my God, I've forgotten his name. <laughs> The quarterback. Giant Eagles? Uh, The quarterback. Jalen Hurts? Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Thank you. Good Lord. (laughs) It got to the point where Jalen Hurts just wasn't even trying anymore. I mean, he only threw for 154 yards in this game. He didn't have to do much. Kenneth Gainwell had 112 rushing. Miles Sanders Mm -hmm. had a game. Hurts had another rushing touchdown in this one. Boston Scott was doing it. And the Giants could just get nothing done until they did get a touchdown out of Matt Breida. But Daniel Jones just looked pretty poor in this game. 15-27 for 135 yards. No touchdowns. One pick. Five times he was sacked. This Eagles defense looked solid in this game. Absolutely solid. Dave, I'll put it to you. What did you think of this one? I mean, if you're you know, going to be playing the Philadelphia Eagles next week, as one of the other two teams will be uh, that's left that we haven't discussed yet. Are, are you worried? Are, if you're the coach for the next Eagles opponent, are you worried? If I'm the coach of any of the NFC teams, or not just any of the teams in the league, I'm worried. 
because um, what the Eagles were able to do to to the Giants, the the Giants have been able to basically match up against almost every single opponent uh, of the season, except from the Eagles, and they did it again in the playoffs against them, and it was it was it was almost all, I, I felt pity for the Giants at halftime because I was just oh there's not there's another touchdown there's another touchdown. I mean, I, I was I was ready to fall asleep by halftime because I was just like, this, this is going to be brutal. I, I was expecting, you know, a 40-point uh, kind of difference between the two. Um, I, 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 I don't... Well, what, can, what can you say? Because the, the Giants just didn't turn up defensively. Then the first quarter, they went for it on... I think it was fourth and eight, I want to say. They went, they they, the Giants, on their first drive, they so went down, for it down fourth seven and eight. Down 7-0. Mm-hmm. And fourth and eight, they go for it. And then, when they're down in the second half by thirty points, they punt. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I uh, don't understand that. Ridiculous. At all. Uh, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. It, it's almost like you, that. That's a white flag out right there. Um, I mean, I mean that alone makes me. That that would make me push out the, the brand the ball from the kind of off uh, coach of the year. Just for for like waving the white flag, basically you've got you you know you've got to have that mentality, that warrior mentality. You fight to the end, no matter what happens. You just you you do yourself proud. You've got honor. Um, you make give yourself some self respect. You make other people respect you for still going. There's so much to gain from doing that. But then they punt it when it's it's it was fourth and short, wasn't it? Yeah, they they did. Uh, in fact, I'll I'll bring that up here because. When some some of the time when they when they went for it early on, I was like, I was like, you know, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, you I know, know you, I know you, I know you think without matched here, we need to go for it, and and that's that's great, you know, you know, I, I I give you the kudos for doing that, but then you know later on they're they're punting, um, I think was a fourth and was a fourth and one, yes. In fact, fourth and one fourth and two, fourth and wasn't one it, yeah. in 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 the first half, mm-hmm. and then they punt up. They 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 punted, and and that was you know there was there was only twenty five seconds to go in, in the first half. You, why are you not going? You're down twenty eight to nothing. This, well, what have you Go got to it. lose at that point? Well, what what do you have to lose? You don't have anything to lose because you're already losing big. So just go for it. Because you, you, what, what's the point if you're just going to sit back and take it? Well, you know, just it's going, it's going to be get worse. It's only going to get worse if you have that mentality. So they can they shot themselves in the foot from the first quarter. That that's when I, I lost, I lost sympathy for them. I, it went from sympathy to feeling sorry for them, which uh, it, you know, there's there's a narrow line, but you know, you you're on one side of the line or the other, and there's not a lot I can say good about the Giants. Um, and also off the back of that, it's come out that uh, Saquon Barkley rejected uh, a twelve million dollar a year deal, uh, fully guaranteed with the Giants, and that Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are not going to be franchise tagged, tagged by the Giants. Is the rumor going around the league? They'd be so, daft. They'd be daft not to not to uh, for, uh, keep for Barkley. Saquon. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. They, they, but, that uh, would just be insane. Now we we've we've spoken about running backs before, um, mm-hmm. how. Generally speaking, it's um, what you would consider next man up. uh, Yeah, generally speaking, it is. But Saquon Barkley is one of the maybe five or six guys in the NFL 
that you want to hang on to. You know, guys like Derek Henry, guys like Christian McCaffrey. Saquon yeah, we Barkley said that about McCaffrey. Is, yeah. We've said that before. Saquon Barkley's right up there. Right mm-hmm. up there. So you need to keep this guy. And I don't know, I don't know what the Giants are going to do going forward. What they need to do is beef up that offensive line. They need to give Daniel Jones more time. They need to open holes for Saquon Barkley in the run game. That's what they need to do. If they're sticking with Daniel Jones. Yeah. I don't know if I they mean, will. I, I I've got a sneaky feeling about Carr going to the Giants. I, I, I think that's a, a really real possibility. Um but there is also what just one other rumor while I remember uh, on the other side of New York uh, for the Jets that they are considering uh, making a trade offer for Aaron Rodgers. And that would include multiple first round picks, which I think would be a win for the Packers. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, purely, but I mean, Rodgers needs his uh he he needs to be a bit more of a scrambler i i think you know especially around um well if he goes to the jets he's gonna have to be <laughs> because, I mean, he, we, he, yeah, because they can't protect anyone yeah the, the that's jets, true I, see i mean right the zach wilson thing was awful the zach wilson experiment i think we can all agree just to put it you know dust it under the carpet Never speak insane, of that again. Yeah, insane that though. It. Remember, remember the Jets game against the Broncos. I think I'm sure it was the Broncos where the Broncos were uh, the defensive line where they were gunning for him. They were all over the place, but then he just kept dodging every single time. There was two or three. I'm sure it was uh, Zach Wilson. I'm sure it was Broncos against the Jets. I, I I know a couple of years ago, Sam Donald did that to us for the Jets. Um, oh no no no! I this this was this year, yeah, because we, we spoke you know about what? it. I've sure. blanked out so much of this year's Broncos games. <laughs> it was before just, Bradley you, Chubb was traded uh, because you, Bradley you know, Chubb you, was one of the guys. Yeah, you you might be right there. You might be right. Yeah. There. But, but but I think as I see from the way the way things sort of ended with Zach Wilson, he's not going to be back at the Jets. I no. I don't think so. I I think uh, I think they'll keep Mike White. I think Mike White has shown enough to see, you know, that they can give him an off-season and make him the starter. I don't know why they haven't done this already. I don't know why they even went back. To, oh, no, they, Mike White was injured. That's why. Yes, he was. Right. Um, he, he made a lot of errors, though. Um, of course he did. He had, he had no time. <laughs> no time to throw the ball. Uh, do you know what the Jets need to do? The Giants need to do beef up the offensive line. Yes. That's yeah. what they need to do. Now, um, you're talking about the Giants going for Derek Carr? Also, I think one of the New York teams are going to be in for Derek Carr. Do, so, you, know who, do you know who I think would be in for Derek Carr? Patriots. Box. Patriots? Yes. I think the Patriots would be in on Derek Carr. I think so. I, it's just it's a it's a feeling I have that do you, do you foresee any circumstance where Jimmy G returns to the Patriots? Because I do. Um, I I no, think that's a possibility. I don't, well, yes and no. Yes, because we know Bill Belichick likes Jimmy G. Yes. Um, 
but he also likes a man who is also up for uh, a trade, which is DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and because, why wouldn't he? I, I mean, yes, but uh, he's you know he, he gave him what what. Bill Belichick isn't one known for compliments. I think we, we both know this. He's, he's got proper <laughs> grumpy man-itis. He's really got that. Um, but, you know, he's he said to DeAndre Hopkins before, I think when, when the Cardinals were uh, mic'd up, um, to, I'm so glad we won't have to play, play you once every few years because you're a nightmare or something along those lines. Um but I think yeah, we've gone completely off topic. But uh, the, so, yeah, yeah, the, we so are. The, we are. <laughs> yeah, so the Gi- the Giants, yeah, I mean, uh, coming off the back of this game, I think what's been exposed is that they need to protect whichever quarterback is there because yeah. they're going to have a new quarterback. Yep. Daniel Jones is going to be somewhere else. Uh, it looks like Saquon Barkley is going to be somewhere else that he's going to get paid. Um, I, I, I may, I think they've just. If maybe cor- uh, cornerback position as well, uh, uh, they need a bit more help there because what wasn't it? Um, was it Bradbury that they shipped off to the Eagles? It was. Oh, well, that's come back to bite them. Co- on, you know, not like a kind of uh, little like, puppy bite, more like an Alsatian like bite. Every yeah. one of us said it would. We yep. all said that. Myself, mm-hmm. yourself, Jake. I forget if Tim was in on that one. Everybody, when they traded Bradbury to the Eagles. You're thinking, yeah. first of all, you're trading away arguably your best defensive player. Secondly, you're trading away within the NFC. And thirdly, in your own division. In your own division, It's yes. like, what are you doing? And why, why would you do that? It's just, it's just insane. It, that was an the insanity. Only, there's only one trade that, that I think rivals that of, of the sheer stupidity of it. And oh. I think that was the TJ Hawkinson. All right, okay. <laughs> thought you were it going is. to say Russell Wilson. I thought I just thought you were. You thought you were. I I meant you know when it, once the season starts in, in the division. Yes, within divi- within the division because I don't think anyone else has done it within the division. Um, but we can do a whole a whole podcast on its own about the Russell Wilson trade if you want to. No, you're not. Right. I will leave that. <laughs> we'll leave that again. Sweep it under the rug and just never talk about it. Again. That's a that's, big rug. That's again, it's, you need it's a big rug. Huge, for that. Biggest rug I've ever seen. <laughs> right. So uh, we're going to move on. Team, we come to the uh, the Sunday games, and there was a big yes. AFC matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals at Highmark Stadium in front of seventy thousand seven hundred thirty-three fans in the snow. And the Bengals did exactly what I said they were going to do. I said, I just trust Joe Burrow slightly more than I trust Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And Burrow never made a mistake the entire game. He was flawless. And the running of Joe Mixon was spectacular for them on that very slippery surface. Uh, And Josh Allen just did not have a very good game by his own high standards. Did rush for a touchdown, but he he didn't throw for any. He had one interception. Uh, It just wasn't a great game for Allen. Couple of drops, but they were outplayed. And this Bengals defense Mm -hmm. that we keep talking about turned up yet again. Dave, what did you think of this one? I mean, you took the words of my mouth with uh, Joe Mixon because he was my player of the game. Um, I, I just I thought it was fantastic. And the Bengals are not known for being a running team uh, because they've got Joe Burrow and they they rely quite heavily on him. But Mixon, 
some of his runs and then the extra kind of couple of yards he was getting, he looked like kind of prime Christian McCaffrey in that game. That that that's how amazing he played in this game. Um he had a couple of checkdowns as well for 18 yards, but 20 carries for 105 yards and the touchdown as well. Just it was fantastic. I was really impressed with him. Uh Burrow didn't have the best game. He, he did throw for two touchdowns. Uh, but he had a good few deep balls as well. Uh, but he was only, I, th- I think, I'm sure he only had about 60% uh, completion rate, which wasn't great. But on the other side of the ball, not only could the Bills not, uh, like Josh, Josh Allen was 25 of 42 uh, for 265 yards, an interception, no touchdowns. But the Bills could not run the ball whatsoever. I mean, between Singletary and Cook, they had 11 carries for 37 yards. And in the postseason, that will win you deadly squat. Yeah, that's so, not going to get it done. It's not. No. But then you look at look at the receivers, though. How many drop catches were there? Diggs, were, Diggs was dropping catches. Gabe Davis dropping catches. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie dropped catches. The, the tight end, Dawson Knox, dropped a catch as well. They, I don't know what was going on because the Bengals weren't having problems catching the ball, despite the weather. The Bills were in Buffalo. Were having trouble catching the ball. They their defense their defense didn't play bad, but they weren't no. at their best. They weren't no. their best, and they didn't get to Joe Burrow as quickly as they needed to, because Burrow knew what he needed to do, and he did. He was he was able to do it flawlessly. I mean, they racked up over four hundred yards on offense, um, and one hundred seventy-two yards on the ground as well, compared to the Bills' sixty-three in total, which was made up of the two running backs and Josh Allen. But um, the one thing that did stand out for me, though, third, third down conversion, the Bills were four of twelve for thirty-three percent, whereas the Bengals were six of ten for sixty percent. So in these key situations, the Bengals were able to get it done and get it over the line and. The other one that I noted as well, the penalties. Eight penalties for the Bills in the game for 60 yards compared to the Bengals, two for nine. That yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah, that that's going to cost you as well. Time of possession, the Bengals racked up well over 60% of the ball um, and, you know, one sack each. So the, the Bills were okay in, defend, in defending and protecting Josh Allen, but Josh Allen was, I mean, you, if you if you want to give him a grade for that game, I'd give it a... a Steady C. He, he wasn't great. He wasn't shockingly bad. Joe Burrow was kind of a B plus, and you need to be better than a standard C to get through any games in the playoffs. So Bengals marching on. And um, the only other thing that I was going to say about this game was that the bill the Bills now have numerous unrestricted free agents this offseason. Some of the ones include. Tremaine Ed- Edmonds, who I think is one of the best linebackers in the league. Jordan Poyer, their safety, unrestricted free agent. Veteran guard Ro- uh, Roger Saffold, unrestricted free agent. Devin Singletary, uh, unrestricted free agent. Two offensive linemen in David Queensbury and Greg Van Roten. And AJ Klein, their other linebacker, their other middle linebacker. They've got very little salary cap space. And... They've got a lot of holes, so I think this year might have been their kind of version of the Rams last year. That was winner bust, and then next year they're going to have a down year. So this is a very it's a it's a going to be a transitionary period, I think, for the Bills coming off this. But I think the Bengals could they they've they've they're just going up and up, and they built on last season. 
And the Bengals, of course, will now face the Kansas City Chiefs in mm-hmm. Kansas City. Uh, because of this, the, the AFC Championship game will not be held at a neutral venue. Uh, it'll be held at Arrowhead Stadium. And the Chiefs host host the AFC Championship game for the fifth straight year. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes has been in the league five years. So... <laughs> It's just ridiculous. So they've got a lot to look forward to going over to Kansas City. Um, we then come to our final game, which is the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Dallas Cowboys at Levi's Stadium in front of 71,888 fans. And everyone predicted that this Dallas Cowboys team, particularly the defense, was going to get it done. And they were wrong because they forgot about Robbie Gould. Uh, Robbie Gould is a kicker and Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, fans aren't, uh, you know, used to kickers making their kicks um, after the last week. Uh, and of course, in fact, Brett Maher <laughs> missed his first extra point. In fact, I'm seeing this first extra point. He only had one extra point. Yeah, he only had one, game, yeah. And he missed it. Uh, well, mm. I say it was, it, was, it was blocked. It was blocked. So I'll it, give him right. that. Oh, well, no, no. Oh, no, no. Don't give him that because... Uh, it was actually, the, you know how they've got the projection of the ball and where it's going? It was going to miss anyway. So when oh, Samson right, okay. and Ebukam <laughs> was the one, the former Ram was the one that blocked it, and it didn't matter because he was way off centre and it was going wide anyway. So oh, he was going to miss Lord. it regardless. So the San Francisco 49ers managed to come away with a 19-12 victory over the Dallas Cowboys. They moved to the NFC Championship game to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. But in this game... It was, once again, it was a case of no mistakes made by the 49ers. And it just seemed that all these games, the exception of Philadelphia, uh, who just blew the doors clean off the Giants, uh-huh. um, it, it seemed to be the team that didn't make the mistakes won the game. No turnovers. Uh, and once again, no turnovers here. Brock Party, his stats are nothing spectacular. 19 of 29, 214 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Rushed three times for eight. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had a nice day. Um, he rushed for a touchdown, but not many yards. He was splitting carries with Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. Um, but Dallas could get nothing going. Ezekiel Elliott with a 2.6 yards per carry average tony pollard didn't fare much better dave if you if you're a cowboys fan this was a rough loss not because you were outplayed it's just that they played so badly they could get nothing done and dak looked awful in this game going forward well first of all let's talk about the game what did you make of the game and then we'll look going forward You've just taken the words out of my mouth about Dak because Dak was absolutely shocking in the game. It, it was woeful, woeful decision making. He was. I, I, I was obviously watching the game, but I also watched it back after because I want you know you just want a bit of clarity on some of the things I was seeing during the game. I counted four, possibly five picks that Dak should have been picked off. He ended up only getting, uh, having the ball picked twice. But the 49ers should have had that four, four, maybe five interceptions in that game. Dak was making decisions that were just god awful. I, 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 I'm struggling to think of a quarterback that made worse decisions in the playoffs like that. Um, his stats don't show it either because he was 23 of 37, which I think actually, um, you know, he made a couple dodgy throws as well. But CD Lamb was the bright spot on this offense by a country mile. I think, um, am I right in saying that Pollard might have got injured during the game? I think he, he might, or he might have been carrying an injury coming into the game, something along those lines. I think he was a bit gimpy going into it. 
Yeah, he, well, he, he wasn't. Said, he yeah, certainly didn't look hundred percent anyway when he was running. No, he didn't. No, um, but there was also Zeke, who's I, I think he's actually one of the highest paid running backs in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think his oh. extension kicks in this year. Yes, um, and <laughs> he ju- he just did. He didn't show it whatsoever. Um, I think he had one good play in the entire game that I can remember. Uh, C.D. Lamb, absolutely magnificent. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Dalton Schultz, um, he had, uh, I mean, he had five receptions for 27 yards and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz's touchdown actually won a gambler in America a very large sum of money because I think there was a three-way, the man had a three-bet of who was going to be the first three touchdown scorers in each, uh, each game kind of thing or or um, yeah i think it was each each first touchdown so he adds uh all all three of the games on the night or uh, or three of the four playoff games put on something like 500 dollars on it and ends up walking away with just shy of a hundred thousand dollars so that was a really nice win for him um there was i an- think it- there was another bet that was made this week i don't know if you saw it on twitter there was a gentleman um Prior to prior to this game being played, and mm. I, I I forget his name, uh, but I saw this on Twitter. I think he runs a company that sells the furniture beds. guy beds. Yeah, all, the fur- yeah the furniture he, guy. He, he put two million dollars on the Cowboys to win. Would get a return of three point two million, I think it was. Um, and he lost. But you know that's what you get when you bet on the Cowboys. Yes. Oh, not listening. <laughs> <laughs> now, that furniture guy is—he's actually a billionaire. For, uh, he, a billionaire furniture owner. He's got what, one of the biggest stores in Texas, or something like that. He won't now, be he for does, long if he keeps putting down bets like that. Well, you see that. However, this guy has been doing this for the best, better part of thirty years. Now, what he does—it's usually around Super Bowl time. What he does is he'll bet on one team, and uh, you know, to, to win. Now, if he wins, he's happy. Because he has got millions and millions of dollars more in the bank. If he loses, put, uh, there's good, there's a big discount sale at his store now, and people and literally thousands of new customers go to his store after that because it's so it's so well publicized. The marketing around it is amazing. Either way, he's making millions every right. year. Wasn't actually football. aware of this. I thought he was a Cowboys fan and he was just betting on the Cowboys because if that's the case, over the past twenty five years, he's lost a lot of money. Because, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, once again, that's what, 26 years now without reaching a, an NFC Championship game. It's a long time, long time for the Dallas Cowboys and they're long Yeah, so I've, I've, got, I've got him up now. He's known as Mattress Mac. Mattress now, Mac. Uh, yes, because he bet $2 million on the Cowboys to beat the 49ers. Um, but he, he, he owns a, a Texas-based furniture chain and it's called Gallery Furniture. Um but he does it every single year. And it's, it's almost always on the Super Bowl. But because he's in Texas, I assume he's a Cowboys fan and not a Texan, uh, not a Texans fan. That's a pretty educated guess Ooh. right there. Ooh. But um, yes, he, he does this every year. It's usually at the Super Bowl unless the Cowboys are playing. So brings in millions in revenue to his business if he loses a couple million. And, you know, either way, either way he's going to win. So... It, it's just it's marketing and capitalism of the highest order from Mattress Mac 
But um, yeah, I'd be straight down the town hall in the morning if my nickname was Mattress Mac. I'd be, I'd be changing it very, very quickly <laughs> because I don't, I don't want to be known as Mattress Mac. No, but uh, I wouldn't. Yes, so. no. I, I mean, the, just the game on a whole, a defensive masterclass from both sides. Um, Fred Warner just showed why I think he's top two, top three linebacker in the league. I, I, I generally think that highly of him. Nick Bosa was okay. Um, I saw, I saw him with a nice kind of. Uh, a hug with his brother in the tunnel. He didn't know Joey Bosa was there, so that was a nice one for him. I think he was quite emotional about that. But, again, Brock Purdy. He, he made one or two errors and probably should have been picked off once or twice in the game. But, you know, you expect some of these things from a rookie quarterback, uh, but he didn't, which is a key thing. And that yeah. really contributed to the 49ers now in the NFC uh, Championship game. Yeah, and he was bailed out by Kittle. I got the right tight end this time. Yay. By George Kittle, uh, who made a fantastic catch. To be fair, he, he should have caught it the first time, but he sort of bobbled it three or four times before catching yeah, it. Yo-yo. Huge yeah, yo-yo, yeah. Huge play yeah. for the 49ers there. So they move on. So, Dave, we are down to four teams. We have the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, and we have the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the San Francisco 49ers. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back without a preview. And, of course, we've got some random stats for you as well. We'll catch you just after this. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, joined by Dave Somerville. Hi, Dave. Hello. Hello. Right, so we are going to do our preview. We're going to do our predictions for the championship round. That is the semifinals, for those of you who are not actual NFL fans. But if you're not NFL fans, why are you listening? <laughs> I have no idea. Or, or, or if this is your first time listening, welcome. So, yes. there we go. We have we're professional. We yes. are we're very, very professional. Yeah, we're going to start in the AFC with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. Dave, my prediction is that the Chiefs will win this game with a banged up Patrick Mahomes. He'll beat Joe Burrow for the first time in overtime, thirty to twenty-seven. What do you think? I disagree. <gasps> I disagree. I think Joe Burrow will do it. I think he's going I back think, to the Super Bowl. I think he's going back to back Super Bowls, and I, I think he's going to lose the Super Bowl. But you know that that that's by the by. He needs to get there first. I think Joe Burrow is going to do it, and I think it's going to be really tight. And I think the Chiefs are going. Mahomes is going to be hobbling along down that field one final drive. And they're just going to fall short. I think the score is going to be 24 points to 21. There we go. We then have the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the San Francisco 49ers. And I see the 49ers win. I see they come away in another overtime win, lower scoring affair, with a score of 17 to 14. We're thinking along the same lines as the score, mm-hmm. but not the winner. I am not backing the 49ers to win this game. The Eagles, fly Eagles fly, are going to put the 49ers into their place and they are going to get to the Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts because I think the Eagles are going to scrape a win against probably the best defense in the league. 
So I'm going to say that they're going to win 24 points to 20 and that Brock Purdy throws an interception finally. <laughs> I think he's going to get picked off in this one. But I think I think the Eagles, they're... I think they need to take advantage of the zone coverage of the 49ers uh, when they do have zone coverage because quite often it's man uh, and every time the ball gets thrown in one direction they've got four players sprinting in that direction and they, they usually get there quite often but I, I think Jalen Hurts is going to do it and we're going to see an Eagles-Bengals Super Bowl Eagles-Bengals fantastic who predicted that who predicted that at the start of the year because we <laughs> no. didn't not many people did. No. Okay, so Dave, that is uh, our our preview. Mm. It's always we we don't we don't spend lots of time talking about what's going to happen in the game because to be honest, we don't know what's going to happen. We just predict yeah. our score and we stand by them, even Sometimes. when we're wrong. And well. one of us will be wrong. <laughs> I'm <Yes>. sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, probably in both games, it might be. Oh, well, I, well. I I, did, wait a minute. Did we not pick different winners in each game? Because I picked the Bengals, you picked the Chiefs, I picked the Eagles, and you picked the 49ers. We have gone against each other completely for the championship weekend. That that's wow. it. We've never done that before. It's the best way to do it. Best way. I've got to keep you on your toes, mate. Keep oh, is that what it toes. is? Well, yes. I mean, I, mean I, I think I was quite far ahead of you in the predictions for the regular season, so I'm, I'm quite happy. Do you know, I, don't, I didn't even keep score. I, I lost count... Um, after week so three or four back. because I was so bad I was like dude I can't even do this maybe I, do you know what I might do I might actually go back through all of our predictions and see who who came up with the the best prediction record I might do that I might do you know that. I I think I know a Jaguars fan that might have access to some of those information <laughs> <laughs> I think we we have an amazing Jaguars fan that might know one or two things about our predictions. This but. is entirely possible. Entirely yes. possible. Okay, so before we uh, wrap up and come to our final segment, which is, of course, random stats, um, we've got a couple of things we need to talk about. Uh, first of all, on Twitter, we have a poll going on the WinFL show um, because somebody had mentioned who, who are the best brothers playing in the NFL. So I put up our own poll here so we we've got two two uh it's, it's a semi-final but there's four in the semi-finals okay okay so um the first one is the uh bosa brothers the kelsey brothers Ooh. and they're going up against the directors the cohen brothers and the farelli brothers so you need to pick who's the best of those four and in the second semi-final we have the diggs brothers the manning brothers and they're going up against musicians, the Isley Brothers and the Allman Brothers. As it stands, in the semi-final one, the Kelsey Brothers have an 80% vote rate. The Bosa Brothers have 20%. No one has picked the Cohen or the Farelli Brothers. You know, I mean, that, that's pretty shocking. I mean, I, I just watched There's Something About Mary again the other night. So it's a great film. You know, don't know why anyone wouldn't go for the Farellis. Anyway, we then have, in the other one, I say Diggs and Manning. Mannings have an 89%. 89. The Diggs brothers have 11%, and nobody's picked the Isley brothers or the Allman brothers. That's shocking. Don't know what they've got against musicians, all these fans in the NFL. Anyway, 
Dave, just out of curiosity, Bosa, Kelsey, Cohen, or Farelli? Who are you taking? Oh, I mean, I mean, the Kelsey brothers every day of the week. Um, you've got probably the best centre in the league and the best tight end in the league with the Kelsey brothers. That, 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 in my humble opinion, they are the two best at their position in the league. So, yeah, the, to me, there's no competition. I and in the other one, we've got the Diggs brothers, the Manning brothers. That being, of course, Pete and Eli. We're not getting mm-hmm. Cooper in this one. Uh, the Isley brothers and the Allman brothers. I mean, the Manning brothers. They, they just the, the Super Bowls. They both they are both Super Bowl winning brothers. Multiple How can you, Super Bowls. Uh, multiple, exactly. How can you go against that? The Diggs brothers are just babies compared to the Mannings. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. That's not even a competition. It's just ugh, ridiculous. The Manning brothers by a country mile. Kelsey, the Kelseys, because I think I I do believe they are the best in their positions. Um, and the Bosas. There's still plenty of time for Nick Bosa. Uh, Joey Bosa, I don't think, is currently in a position where he can even consider a Super Bowl run. But that that 49ers side, that 49ers defense is just ridiculous. So that's why I would go for the Kelsey brothers, though I still think they're the best in their position. So, you know, if you're a, if you're a film buff, you might want to go for the Coens or the Ferellis. And if you're a music buff, you might want to go for the Isley brothers or the Allman brothers, who did Jessica. Theme tune for Top Gear, many years. So there we go. Right, yeah. Yes, just, yes. Just read, just quite, just re- remember, that's, I, I, what was their big hit? I just remembered. The yeah, Isley Brothers, they, they did uh, Shout. That was the Isley Brothers. Wow. Yeah. I, it, it's, I, it's one of those, it's one of those where you, in, you instantly recognise, but you don't know who the artist is. Or from my point of view, I didn't know who the artist was. But, well, uh, with any luck, somebody listening to this podcast, or maybe someone just sees on Twitter and goes, oh, do you know what? I might have we listened to the Isley Brothers again. Or the Allman Brothers. Or they might say, oh, do you know what? I've not seen any Coen Brothers films. Might watch some. I think Fargo was one of theirs, wasn't it? Pretty sure. So there we go, Dave. Uh, we're coming up to our final, final, final segment. And it is, of course... Random Stats. Yeah. So... Would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first for random oh, stats oh. this week? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, yeah, okay. Obviously, because we've had a Bengals victory this week, and mm-hmm. they're into the um, AFC champ, uh, Championship game. So I was having a look to see if I any unique people on the Bengals roster, uh, and I came across one individual and it, he, that currently holds a world record that is part of the Bengals roster. Now... This man is, he's, no, well, his name is Clark Harris, and he is the long snapper for the Bengals, and he holds the world record for the longest snap, which, you know, it, it's pretty impressive. Um, he's, got, he's got a long snap record of 36 yards and 8 inches. That's quite a long, long snap, because they're, they're snapping a long way anyway. I don't world... think I can throw a ball 36 yards. <laughs> I couldn't throw it by a spiral 36 yards. He's doing but... it under his legs. Yes, and he did it. Uh, it was in 2018 that he did it as well. So, yeah, ma- you know, it, it's, a, it's a massive record. Um, he's had a pretty interesting career, though, um, because he was originally drafted by the Packers, and then he was cut by a couple teams. So he was cut by the Packers the same year that he was drafted. Uh, we joined the Lions again. You can guess cut, and then he was uh, picked up by the Texans again. Cut. 
but he's been at the Bengals since 2009. He's actually quite old. He's 38 years old for the you know for for the league anyway. Uh, he was signed in October 2009 for the Bengals, um, and his first game was actually against the Texans, who had just cut him. So that that's a bit of an awkward one. Um, he was signed, signing consecutive one year contracts up until 2018. Uh, when he did break the world record, yeah, he actually signed a two-year contract extension until the 2020 season, and uh, then signed another one-year contract. And he's just—he's also um, at the beginning of this year signed another extension to his contract. So he's currently in injury reserve because I think early on in the season he had a torn bicep, so he, he was placed in injury reserve for that. But he's one of the highest-paid long snappers in the league and one of the most kind of longest lasting long snappers in the league. Um, and he was also a javelin thrower in college because that's, yeah, it's quite handy to be able to throw things quite far when you're a long snapper. Um, but uh, yeah, so he, he, he finished fifth in a, I think it was a state uh, javelin throwing competition where he threw 180 feet, which is again, quite far. Uh, so that, that was back in the day for him. But um yeah, he's made a career out of just being a pure long snapper. He's 38 years old, and he holds the world record for the longest snap of 36 yards and 8 inches. And that is my random stat. That's a fantastic random stat. And it's kind of weird that you've picked a random stat about a player who did something in college, or, or in, you know, in, in athletics. Mm-hmm. Because my random stat has the exact same type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> different player same division Mm. we're going to talk about a player whose uh whose birthday it was the other day uh mr eric metcalf eric metcalf was drafted in 1989 by the cleveland browns now he actually played for um i want to i'm going to say seven teams he played for seven teams played for the browns he played for the falcons the chargers the cardinals the panthers they're redacted from Washington and the Green Bay Packers. Now, his la- final season was in 2002 when he played for Green Bay. But he was drafted in that all-world-class 1989 draft. Um, he made three Pro Bowls and made two All-Pro seasons as well. Now, he did okay rushing, he did okay receiving, but of course, his big thing was in the return game. And his kick and punt returns were legendary. And where I mean legendary he led the league in punt return touchdowns three times in kick return touchdowns twice in his second year he actually led the nfl in kickoff return yards and touchdowns and he had the longest of the season with a 101 yarder he played right up until the age of 34 at green bay but he didn't really play much uh that season at all he only played in one game for the packers now here's the thing um, Eric Metcalf was uh, in in college in his final season in in college uh, for the U.S. national championship. He set the record, the the winner in the men's long jump. This was um, a record that had been set by Carl Lewis. Eric Metcalf actually in nineteen eighty eight. Wow. Yeah, Carl Lewis, the all time. Mm. Now here's the thing, though, Carl Lewis. Then did it again in 1991. He actually uh, led Carl Lewis. This is a slight tangent, but Carl Lewis, for anyone who doesn't know how good Carl Lewis was, Olympic 
a world champion sprinter um, also in the long jump. So he led the US national championship in long jump in 1981, 1982, 1983, 1986, 1987 and 1991. That's Pretty good. Uh, but right. Eric Metcalf yeah. in 1988 actually led the US National Championship winning the long jump. Um, and he was just an incredible, incredible returner. There was one game I remember he played. Damn, damned if I can remember what season it was. I'm going to say 94, 93 or 94, when in a game against Pittsburgh, he took two punts back for touchdowns in that game. He single-handedly won the game for the Browns over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and in his first year, 1989, um, now, Eric Metcalf, his father was Terry Metcalf. He was, uh, Terry Metcalf was exactly the same. He was a, a receiver, he was a rusher, and he was a kick returner. But in Eric Metcalf, I'm going to say it was his uh, third game against the Cincinnati Bengals, he scored one of the most incredible touchdowns I've ever seen when he took a swinger pass from Bernie Kozad and did a double jump cut. In that, So he's swinging out to the right, he catches the ball, he does a jump cut to the left, makes a guy miss, does a jump cut to the right, makes a guy miss, and then takes the ball in. And the commentators were just like, like father, like son, look mm-hmm. at this guy go. And this is, I think it was his third game in the NFL. It was against the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Eric was that a kickoff, a kickoff return or a punt return? No, that, that was actually a catch. He caught a Oh, he a caught ball. it. Oh, yeah, so he caught okay. a pass from Bernie Coza. And mm. then did, if you've not seen this, go onto YouTube and check it out. Eric Metcalf. 1989 highlights or something like that. You'll I've never seen anyone change direction twice in the space of half a second the way Eric Metcalf did. It was just incredible. Um, he had his birthday the other day. Happy birthday to Eric Metcalf. And being a kick returner, I did say many happy returns, which is like, you got to do it, Dave. Don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. Mm. It's got to be done. So huge happy birthday to Eric Metcalf. And that is my random stat. I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Um, the, I, I just I, I picked up a little uh, another random fact about uh, uh, Eric Metcalf as well. Is that he, in college he ran the hundred meters in ten point five four seconds, and the the two hundred meters in twenty one point three four seconds. I mean, that's that, that, it, it, that's, that's pretty immense. fast. That's I, really fast. That, that, that's fast. Takes me. It takes me longer to get from my sofa to the bathroom. Takes me longer to put my slippers on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before yeah, I stood up, you're joking me. Yeah, oh my word! Exactly. No, Eric Metcalf, absolute legend of the game. Um, because he didn't play a lot of offense, rushing and receiving, he'll never, probably never, be considered for you know the Hall of Fame or things like that. Mm-hmm. But quite often, he's he's completely forgotten about um, as one of the best all round versatile players the NFL has ever seen. Ever imagine, if you will, Marshall Falk returning kicks. I'm saying that because you're very familiar with Marshall yes. Falk. The way Marshall Falk moved varies somewhat to the way Eric Metcalf moved. He mm-hmm. was making guys miss left, right, and center. But he played on a team in, in the Cleveland Browns that had Ernest Biner at running back. You know, and I had uh, Minifield and Mack at running back. They didn't. They didn't need him to play offense. That's true. Because yeah. they had really good running backs. And we're talking, you know, 
really good running backs here. Yeah, but they're one of the best core running back units in the entire league. Oh, yeah, for years and years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Eric Metcalf never real... He was considered a third down back, and that's what they would call it, because he could catch. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was one of the best receiving backs in the game who never got a chance to actually play much offense. But he could swing a game on his own in his kick and punt returns. And as I say, that one game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, I watched that one. Um, when Back when Channel 4 was doing like the one live game they would have, mm-hmm. uh, this, this was one of them. And it was uh, the, bank, the, ba- the Browns, I beg your pardon, the Browns and the Steelers and Eric Metcalf took two punts back for touchdowns. Uh, and it's just absolutely insane. The man, the man, the man was incredible. Eric Metcalf. Fantastic! It's a great one. I really, I know, I really enjoy that one. And you know, it, it's. I don't think special. Well, we we, we love special teams, but do, I don't think do. special teams get the recognition that they deserve sometimes because they are a key part of every single game. But you know, people just take them for granted as well. So, yeah, big shout out to Eric Metcalf. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned Dante Hall earlier. Mm-hmm. Dante Hall, ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. special teamer. I, well, I think what 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 did I say during? I think it was during the week to you that I said that I used to fleece uh, when we were playing Madden. I was playing Madden with my cousin. It, you yeah. you're talking like kind of two thousand two thousand one time, mm-hmm. but I was I would always fleece my cousin out of him of him trading me Dante Hall because he was the fastest in the game, he had the best agility, the best kind of uh, jukes in the game. And I, I would say, oh, but you're going to get this. This you get yeah three or four players for the price of one. It was brilliant. I was a swindler. When I was 10, 11 years old. How old was your cousin? I'd say eight. Oh, eight, you, nine. Yeah, absolutely. You, that is ridiculous. Straight <laughs> well, to jail with you. Straight to jail with you for fleecing an eight-year-old out of Dante uh, Hall on Madden. Uh, uh, just, uh, just, uh, you know, he, I, I would love to say that uh, he got his own back and, you know, was beating me. I don't think he ever beat me once because for some reason he fell out of love with the game and I think I may be responsible for that. You're absolutely responsible for that. (laughs) But Jamie, I'm sorry, but uh, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles and I love Dante Hall and you know, he, he, my cousin always insisted on being, I think it was the Chiefs that he was with at the time. So I always made him trade uh, Dante Hall to me. So I got Dante Hall. I had, you know, I, I, I may as well have had, Kurt Warner, I may as well have had Marshall Falk, Tory Hall, Isaac Bruce a lot, and you know, in the slot Dante Hall, so you know, that was I thoroughly enjoyed those early Madden years for me, but uh, yeah Returners, brilliant Returners are the best, kick returners are the best guys like Dante Hall, Eric Metcalf Brian Mitchell, Devin Hester Glenn uh, Milburn, Glenn Milburn. Hey. Yes. <laughs> the one and only Glenn Milburn, yes indeed so um, Dave, that pretty much wraps it up for us pal I think we've come to the end of our podcast, slightly shorter one. We only had four games to cover. Next week, we're only going to have two games to cover. Um, And that is Championship Weekend. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it so much. I cannot wait for this. Um, And then we will know who is going to be playing in the Super Bowl in uh, three weeks' time. Three weeks' time? Yes, indeed. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Three weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Have you booked it off off work? not the weekend between the uh, yeah the day okay. after the Super Bowl. I've yeah, got the yes, day. I've yes. got the day after off work. Yes, I do. So do I. So, yes, I, I, when you reminded me, uh, I I, got, I quite very quickly did myself. Uh, but I think we just got in there in time. See, but we're such yeah. um, NFL aficionados that we actually 
both did forget to take the day off work after the Super Bowl <laughs> until about two weeks ago. And then uh, I messaged Dave and says, oh, did you remember to take it off? And he goes, no, but I will now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, th- I think because of how the regular season went for our teams, I don't think we had the biggest motivation to book the Super Bowl off <laughs> or just, you know, any kind of big weekends because what I usually do is every time the Rams have a late game, I would book the next day off. Uh, but after kind of week two, week three, I stopped doing that. Uh, so I have lots of holidays to take, as it turns out now. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've got it there and it's going to be a cracker. Whichever two teams it's going to be, it's, it's going to be quality, uh, quality offense, quality defense. So let's yeah. go. And, and we're coming up to episode 50. We are. The, the legendary long awaited episode 50 is coming coming cannot wait for it it's going to be great right dave thank you very much for your time oh, it's always a pleasure buddy thank you very much to everyone listening and remember you can catch us on twitter at the WinFL show you can also catch myself and dave on twitter as well uh, and of course jake he's out there in the ether somewhere to be able to get him um please feel free to uh like and comment on our posts there check out the podcast um if you've got any queries comments suggestions criticisms nice ones then feel free to let us know uh we're always uh, willing to take that on board we're just trying to do the best show that we can we hope you guys enjoy it so uh thank you very much to everyone for listening and we will catch you on next week's edition of the winfl show <laughs>